we're doing some some podcasts to provide material during the month of December and the first Sunday of January. Because our the church schedule is such that we won't be having class. So we're providing this as a way both filler and then also just to kind of keep interest up in the, in the podcast. So I'm Pastor uh, James Audie, and with me today is uh, Pastor Matt Lee, and we're going to kind of tag team a little bit on a topic that we're working through our staff with. It's a little book by an author whose name is Lance Witt, W-I-T-T, and the name of the book is Replenish, and the focus of the book has been on caring for the soul that a lot of times when people are dealing with life and doing it from a leadership point of view, from, from being a part of a team or a group or a family, that we're not being very attentive to our soul. And so that's what this book is about, to replenish the soul. So uh, what we thought we would do is just kind of work through some of the uh, material that we've been doing in staff together, uh, Matt and I together, and I think that this will be a good, good thing. The third chapter is titled, Your Ministry is Not Your Life. And the Apostle Paul said, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And the author says, Witt says, Notice the words, Christ, who is your life. Jesus is my life. He's the center of our universe. Everything revolves around our relationship with him. And our whole life has been surrendered to him as my king and Lord. And I think sometimes as we are doing our ministry, living our lives, I think sometimes we think our job is our life. Our calling is our life. Our Sunday is our life. Our week and everything related to Sunday is our life. And how do we keep... Jesus at the center. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I again, um, it's a little specific. This chapter is a little specific to um, the notion of church work or or work in uh, in a church or something like that, where. And, and frankly, that's about the only world that I can relate to because I have never had a profession outside of church work mm-hmm. um, or in some way not related to church work. It is peculiar to the world that we work in that it is very easy to um, equate uh, your work with your life, mm-hmm. partly because you're doing it all the time, but also because there is this... Uh, this uh, verbiage that we use when we talk about church work as a calling, your life's calling. Mm-hmm. And so if you feel called by God to do something, then it's the easiest thing in the world to equate your life with your work. Um, and to think that, well, what would happen if I didn't have this work anymore? Would that be the end of my life? Now, from a male perspective, a lot of us as men... Uh, end up equating the two because we get so much of the totality of life is wrapped up in our work. Mm -hmm. 
for a lot of us, our social life is, is work-related. Our um, things we enjoy doing are uh, with the people that we work with. Um, and you get a lot of, uh, uh, you get paid to do what you do. So there's a, the opportunity to provide for your family. There's so much that goes into that from a male perspective. A lot of fulfillment. A lot of fulfillment that for a lot of men, when they retire from their work, they feel like their life is over. Like, mm-hmm. what else is there for me to do? Mm. Uh, I, and in church work, it's not that easy to leave church work and go work for Texas Instruments. I mean, there's just yeah. not, you know, there's not a lot yeah. that we do here that would be accepted over there or that you could easily trans. Uh, now, you technology boys, you could, you would have no trouble at all with that. But, uh, yeah. but for those of us that are good at Preaching and teaching, uh, you know, there's not a big call for that over at Raytheon. So, yeah. um, you know, just as that that transferability is uh, makes it a little bit tougher. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's easy to, and I think with the pandemic, it's it's made it. There's been some blurring, I think, in terms of life and ministry and life and work and 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 where do I set boundaries and. You know, how do I turn one off and turn on the other? Or can I keep both on? Mm-hmm. And I think that's been a challenge um, with uh, for a period of time working from home. I think that was a, um, I know that my wife still encounters that. She works from home. Uh, the expectation now is two to three days a week. She has to go into the office and then the other half she is, is uh, you know, at home. And so I think that's been kind of blurred too where, you know, if one of the kids is sick or if, if one of them needs something, what do you do? How do you turn one off to meet the needs of the other? Yeah. And then how do you keep them separate or can you? Mm-hmm. You know, let's say you're you're working and and you were distracted by one thing in the day. And so now at night at, at 11 o'clock, all of a sudden you find yourself doing work. Mm-hmm. And how do you keep those separate? Yeah. So I think it's really important to... Uh, to, to keep the balance in check of making sure that our identity, our worth, our, our, our foundation is not, you know, um, in, in the ministry, but it's in Christ. Yeah, so, I, I, I think to sort, of, um, to sort of boil down what I'm hearing him say in this chapter, and he, he starts it out with that, with that uh, verse that you read from uh, St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, that when Christ, who is your life, appears. So it's, he's, he's not even talking about the idea of a future Jesus uh, in terms of when he comes again and then we all go to heaven. He's talking about that in the present tense, mm-hmm. who is presently your life. Mm-hmm. Okay, I do think that, and the question that it raises for me is, is what happens if someone rejects Jesus? If someone says, I don't need God, I don't need Jesus, I don't need any of that stuff, I am my own self-affirmed person. I am my own self-source uh, of fulfillment and direction and happiness and joy and all those things that you Christians say you can only have through Jesus. I don't need any of that. I, I have it in myself, okay? Okay. Um, what I wonder about is, is um, number one, how, how doable is it to find all of that fulfillment in self as opposed to be connected to Jesus? 
but it's also just that idea of what happens when people disconnect from Jesus or even disconnect from a connection to God as their creator to sort of say, well, I came into the world on my own. I'm going out on my own and everything I do in between is on my own. Is there a, and I would say from my counseling perspective, is there a psychological effect that that has? Is there a, a grounding effect does that have? Um, maybe a person can go through life and feel very fulfilled in their work and in their family and their achievements and their their acquisitions and all those kinds of things. But I just can't help but think that is there a basic insecurity that is found when a person disconnects himself or herself mm-hmm. from uh, from the, the primal source, which, is, which would be God as creator, and then from Jesus as the one that um, suffered and died for you and is your redeemer, that redeems your life. What effect does that have on a person's life? Mm-hmm. Where, where I wonder about that from a trend perspective in society today, for example, there's a ton of people that are totally confused about who they are. Um, from an identity perspective, from a gender perspective, uh, even, to, uh, to be calling into question those things and then to be... Um, uh, sort of celebrating or finding groups of people that celebrate that dysphoria that you feel as opposed to finding the real source of it, which would be in Jesus. That That's kind of where my mind goes in terms of what we see in society today and, uh, and the, the trends of that. And then the way that that impacts um, us in church life and in Christian, well, the walk of your Christian uh, life together. Yeah. Um, a lot of pressure now on uh, churches and schools and companies and individuals, um, even uh, for me in, in my counseling world, um, to embrace uh, the idea that um, uh, uh, whatever preferred pronouns, for example, that you want me to use, if I don't use them, then I'm guilty of hate and I'm guilty of disrespecting you. And I'm thinking, where is the line there in terms of respecting someone and encouraging someone at the same time that um, you still hold to that basic belief of Jesus who is your life? Mm-hmm. So that's a, to me, that's, um, those are some of the dilemmas that a lot of us in, uh, in church work and in uh our uh, attempts to reach out to people are, are facing today. I think it's, you make a good point because Witt points out also that when we're disconnected from the vine, you know, Jesus calls himself, I'm the true vine, mm-hmm. my father's the gardener. When we can disconnect from him, though, I would argue that we connect to something or someone else. Mm-hmm. And typically that vine is replaced by, from Jesus to, to me. You know, I'm disconnecting from Jesus and I'm making my life all about me. My ministry is, is going to be uh, about this sort of striving, this joyless striving and this stressful pushing. Mm-hmm. And things become a hassle and a burden. 
and even the this is what Witt says, what happened to the priests in Malachi. The whole book is a response to spiritual drift. Four chapters of rebuke. So I think when we disconnect from the vine, what are we connecting to? And I think it's it's all about me. Yeah. That's what society would say. Disconnect from the vine and make make yourself that source. Yeah. I one of the interesting aspects of this is that if you look at it if you if you look at the way we're built um, purely from a biological point of view so you take religion out you take faith out you take any of these other things out and you just look at us from a uh, biological point of view is that we are built for connection mm -hmm. and so the the point of that you just made uh, with regard to the vine and the branches is very true that if I disconnect from one source of fulfillment and joy and all those kinds of things uh, in life, I will inevitably reconnect to something else because we're built that way. We're built for connection. We're not built for isolation. If, if uh, anything uh, uh, was uh, evident, the evidence of which was borne out for us during COVID and all the isolating that went on, um, is that now we're able to look at that with uh, a fresh perspective and say, maybe we went over the top in too much isolating and not enough connecting. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, now we're reconnecting. But the problem is, is that if I've disconnected my life from Jesus for a certain length of time, or even from the church for a certain length of time, I've already reconnected to something else. Yeah. And that something else might be socially acceptable. It might be socially fulfilling. But what's missing is care of the soul. And so the, the, the connections that we make ought to also be attentive to the connections of the soul, the connection to the word, the connection to the sacraments, to, yeah. to, to the connection to each other. Uh, some of which really, truly, I, I would argue, are best served in person. Mm -hmm. um, it makes the case for coming back. Um, obviously, you can go to heaven and not come to church. I mean, obviously, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. But the value that that brings in terms of connection um, is, uh, is really critical. And uh, I, I think, again, I think people today are looking for connection. I think they are. Yeah. It's just that if you disconnect from Jesus then the alternatives out there may look good on the outside um, and may be very uh, warm and fuzzy on the outside, but um, they, they hold no lasting power on the inside. Absolutely. So I think we're, the jury's still out on, on how that's going to roll. Yeah. I think a great example of what you're talking about being disconnected mm -hmm. is, is looking at how Moses... When he first encountered God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And then later on, we see that transformation taking place where later on at Mount Sinai, when Moses has already led them out of Egypt and he's up on the mountain with God and he's getting those Ten Commandments. And at that point, it says the tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. But in that moment, Moses, in the very presence of God, 
who is literally etching the law into stone. We find there that the people are doing something they should never have done. They're making an idol. What a contrast to what's happening happening on that mountaintop. God is so furious he wants to wipe them out. And what does Moses do? He intercedes. And God backs down. And at that point, we find that Moses has matured. His soul is deeply connected to God. He says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And I think that's a great point, that what matters is God. God is Moses' life. Relationship comes before responsibility. So I think that's what we, we find, too, with the transformation that took place with Moses and then what happens when we are disconnected and how we connect to something. And for the people... They really wanted to connect to something tangible, and they certainly did as Moses was on the mountain. And I think it's a good lesson for us all, too, of what are we connected to, and how do we stay connected and rooted in Christ and his word. And that's where God has promised to be, and we're in sacrament. And I think it's something that, you know, like you said, in person, I think that many are missing that. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting that you brought that story in, uh, that account in, because um, one of the interesting aspects of it is is that almost as a group, they all went along with the idea of, uh, of forming this golden calf, and then they would worship the golden calf. Mm-hmm. And they would give the calf credit. The Baal god is what that was, or mm-hmm. the Egyptian god. So we're going to give that God credit for the deliverance that we've experienced. Um, so what it tells you is, is that it's very easy for groupthink to take over mm-hmm. and become the value now that we all have, even though that value itself uh, would uh, would condemn us before God. It's just, again, the, the ease in which it 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 doesn't take much. They didn't have social media in that day. They had the giant big group meeting, and they all said, hey, this is what we're going to do. Um, that you can't always just go along with something because the group says that you should go along with it. Yeah. Um, somebody else has to step in and say, hey, wait a minute, what, what are we doing here? And it, Moses would, would have been the one to do it, but he was up on the mountain for 40 days, 40 nights. So that was a long time mm-hmm. for him to be gone. And uh, his brother Aaron was a, a was a weaker individual, yeah. strength wise, and and uh, the group just said, "Well, this is what we're doing." So again, it's just it's just it's, it's easy now for us to look at that and say, "Oh, that wouldn't have happened to me. I should yeah. have done that." Well, that's a bunch of baloney because uh, it would have been the easiest thing in the world to go along with uh, with that group in that moment. So disconnect from God is uh, is a huge issue, I think. Uh, Absolutely.